What's going on, everybody? Uh, this is Jeremy Hayes with the Fadeaway Fitness, this side of the rim official podcast. Uh, this is season four, episode number three. Today, I got my guy from New York, Justin Cooper. He's a pro basketball skills trainer uh, with LMC Athletics. Justin, say what's up to everybody here. Hey, my man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely, Jay. Like I said, this has uh, been a long time coming and uh, said quickly becoming uh, really close friends in the basketball industry. And like I said, this is a uh, a great opportunity just to kind of learn more about you and your life and, and kind of your journey through sports here. 100%. So we'll just dive right into this. Like, kind of like give me a background of like you and like your life kind of growing up. Like, where are you from and like kind of how you got involved into sports at a young age? Yeah, man, I'm from a small town, Pine Plains, New York. Um, it's about two hours north of New York City. Uh, when I say small town, I mean really small town, one traffic light, one gas station. <laughs> Um, kind of middle of nowhere, the sticks as we call it. Um, and yeah, man, there was nothing really to do besides get outside and play different sports. So growing up, man, I was I was involved with everything. You know, if it was youth soccer, if it was flag football, if it was youth basketball, baseball. Um, at a young age, you kind of just did a little bit of everything. Right. Um, and then, you know, as I started to get older, I, I focused more on basketball and baseball. Um, and then as I got into high school, I, I dropped baseball, and then my main focus was basketball. But growing up, it was, you know, being outside, playing different sports with my friends. You know, we were in a close-knit community, obviously, because there's only so many people there. Right. You know, I was involved I was involved with anything sports, anything outside. Yeah, and I think that's honestly, like, some of the best memories you have is just, like, literally just showing up at a random park with all your friends and just losing track of time and just playing for hours and like you 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 just like you you cherish those bonds and like i think you learn a lot of like uh core valuable lessons as well as you start to like grow up uh throughout your early stages of your career 100 percent, you know and like looking back when you when you grow up in a small town too like the people you're with are like the people you're gonna have you know hopefully in high school as well because you know there's not like a catholic school they can transfer to there's not three high schools in our town where we might all end up at different schools like You're, just, you're, you're with those kids, you know, and I, I grew up on a street, you know, a really small street, and, you know, one of my best friends still today lived with, there with me while we were growing up, so, you know, we were always outside just doing whatever, and yeah. it was great. 100%. So, you said you mentioned you played soccer, you played some football, some basketball stuff, so, like, at a young age, do you think, like, playing multiple sports kind of helps you develop as, like, a, I guess a more well-rounded, like, full athletic p- player? hundred percent. I think like even, you know, like when I say I played soccer, it was just like, you know, a little fall league that they had in our small town. It wasn't a many people, but right. being able to play different sports allows you just to, to get out and have some fun as a kid. I think with what we do now with, you know, not just basketball, but with many other sports, is we put such an emphasis on, um, you know, like specialization and like just, just being about one thing where, in reality, like, when you're a young kid, man, you only know what you know. So, like, you can try out different sports. You might be really good at a couple different things. Right. And, and by playing in those sports and participating in those sports, it can allow you to just become a better athlete. You know, you're using different muscle groups. You're trying different things. You're communicating with people in a different way. Um, and I think the most important part is that you stay competitive. Right. No matter what sport it is that you're playing, you, you got to be a competitor. Um, so I think definitely at a younger age it's important. Um, you know, obviously, as you get up to an older age, if, if you really want to do something, it, it might demand a little bit more of your time. Like, I know when I was a sophomore in high school, um, I realized basketball was what I wanted to do. It's what I enjoyed most doing. I didn't really have a passion for anything else. Um, so I was like, hey, I'm going to focus on basketball. And I felt like at that time it was the right decision for me. Right. And then, you know, in the same breath, I just think everybody's different as well. You know, some people... Um, are going to be three sport athletes because they're really, really good at all three sports and they have that passion for all three sports. Right. Um, you know, I don't think there's a perfect model for everyone. I think it's, it's a situational basis based on, you know, the individual that's involved. Yeah. hundred percent. And I honestly like, I t- tend to like have talks with like different college coaches about that question as well. And like, I feel like at some point you need to start having these, like, I guess tougher conversations with yourself and maybe your family of like hey i'm starting to get really good at basketball i need to slowly just start focusing just on basketball or when do i transition from like i said three four sports down to one or two if i'm really going to try to make a push into playing like college athletics um and like i said i think that typically like that eighth ninth tenth grade ish 
if I'm starting to really going to like focus and narrow down on one, I think you need to start having those conversations with yourself earlier on. And then you can kind of, like I said, devote more time to it, devote more of your, uh, your training, um, to specializing in your one sport. For sure. And I think the big thing that you said is the conversation with yourself, right? Right. Like this should be a decision for you and your family. Right. And I think a lot of what we have right now is it's almost like something that's forced where they're saying, Hey, like if you want to be really good. You need to do it now. You know, right. where if that kid is enjoying playing a couple different sports at whatever age it is, you know, they should continue doing that because that's what they enjoy. And no matter what the sport is, we want to be competitive. We want to win, but you also need to have a good time doing it. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I, I honestly, you know, like, I'm going to go back to just, a, 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 I guess, a narrative of my own life here of, like, me training this kid. He just so happened to be first-team All-State quarterback, first-team All-State pitcher, first-team All-State shooting guard. So, like, as he started to grow, he was, like, gonna break every record in his high school and like he didn't know what he wanted to focus on in in college so as he progressed like I said he just enjoyed his high school career and then he 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 made his decision that he was gonna go play basketball at uh the University of Akron so like his first training session after he made his announcement that he was gonna go to Akron he's like man this is weird and I was like why he's like this is the first time in my life that I've ever like not had to worry about anything else and I could just devote all of my time to just basketball. So like I'm anxious to see how he grows and how he progresses as an athlete. Cause like, yeah, he's super athletic. Yeah. He's really, really talented and gifted. But like now is he almost, like I said, starting too late of just the specialization process, especially trying to go at the division one level. Like I think there's just so many like questions that need to be not answered, just like like let them play out themselves and like see how he progresses. Um, and like I said, all, 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 you said it best. Is like ultimately at the end of the day, it's like whatever you feel is necessary, whatever you feel is best. You just gotta like I said, enjoy your, the process and then maximize as many opportunities as you can. Exactly, and and that's it. What you just said in that last sentence, like enjoying the process and maximizing all the opportunities that you get. Right. And you know, at the end of the day, like sports that's great if you specialize early that's great you know as long as you're putting your full effort into it and you're reaching your full potential like you know that's what it should be yeah 100 percent. so like almost like transition that from like um you growing up through like i said youth sports and like who kind of like helped mentor you or was like a major influence uh like on your life um through sports they said from a kid at a young age to i guess where even where you're at now uh, my dad, 100%. Uh, my dad was my Little League coach. He was my Pee Wee basketball coach. Um, you know, for my friends and people that are going to listen to this podcast, he's the loudest person in the gym. Um, <laughs> you know, like, he was he was the main influence. You know, he taught me how to work hard. He taught me if I wanted something, i got to go and get it. Um, you know, and nothing is handed to you, and right. you got to work for the things that you want. Yeah, um, and he was, he was a huge influence on that. Um, and I think what was key, though, is, is he let me figure out things. You know, he never always, like, gave me the answer to what I wanted. Right. Um, you know, he kind of let me try to figure it out, face a little adversity in a sense, um, which I think, you know, helped me out going forward. But he was most definitely the biggest influence, you know, whether it was baseball, whether it was basketball, you know, whether we were going to go watch a game, whatever it was, you know, he was a huge influence on on my life as a young kid, just, you know, being involved in different sports and, and you know, trying to find which one was, you know, the sport I was going to pick and, and all of that. Right, and I think that's actually big. Like, I feel like so many, like, parents said it it can go one of two ways. I feel like um, the parent that is the most supportive and caring and nurturing, like, will have their hand on your back kind of, like, helping you and guide you and push you enough along the way that if you're going to reach a certain amount of adversity or struggles, that they're going to kind of let you go through that yourself. Um but they're also, they're going to be there to help pick you back up immediately and kind of like steer you in a more positive direction. But then also ultimately I think there's an, another set of like parents. And I think this is what, and I'm not going to say what's wrong with you sports, but like, I feel like too many parents are just trying to just strictly pave the way for their kids. And everything is just so like, I'm not saying easy, but just like handed to them. Um, and as soon as, as soon as kids start to, they said, face some struggles or face some adversity, you can't always turn to mom and dad to get you out of these situations. So like I said, I would almost rather have somebody like be there to support me and like, let me kind of find my own way to do, do things. But if I need you, 
be there 100 percent to support me and kind of like put me on a more positive path yeah man i think i was, I was really really fortunate with my situation you know because obviously not everything is going to work out perfectly right um you know and like you said you know i had to face some of the things on my own but if i ever needed something and i had to have a conversation like my dad was always there for it um but he gave me enough of a little bit of a distance just to try to like you know try to figure some things out right you know and that's where you that's where i feel like i really saw growth in myself not only as like an athlete but as a person too yeah 100 percent. so like transition that from like i said you growing up now to like Talk about a little bit about your high school basketball career, and like I said, then we'll transition that directly straight into college. Yeah, man. Um, I played at Pine Plains High School, um, small high school. Um, we play in a league called the Mid-Hudson Athletic League, which is all just like the local high school teams. My freshman year, we were okay. I was on the varsity team. Um, and then my sophomore, junior, and senior year, we were really, really good. Uh, we had We ended up losing the state final my senior year. Um, which we probably should have won, but, you know, that's just the way the basketball game goes. Some games you play well, some games you don't. Um, but but my high school experience was everything I could have asked for, man. Like, the whole community would come out to our games. You know, I was playing with my best friends. You know, we had a ton of fun. And we went out and we won games, you know. Right. So, like, we were competitive as hell. We went at each other in practice every day. We knew that, you know, in order for us to improve and get better, we really had to go at each other. Um you know, and then we were best friends off the court, so we did everything else off the court together. And my high school experience was one that I hope, you know, everyone has a chance to have. It was it was awesome. Yeah, and I feel like having just that that core nucleus of just friends, where it's not just basketball teammates. And I think that's where things get lost in the shuffle as you start to get a little bit older, where you go to college, and yeah, you can go and be friends with these guys, but like ultimately at the end of the day you're there for a job now you try to go play pro you play pro you're there for a contract to get paid like you don't have to be friends with people so I think like being with people who are like I said always going to support you on the court but also you're going to go hang out and go to the movies with just to do whatever with off the court I think you develop like I said so many lifelong bonds that you'll really truly cherish outside of basketball too for sure, and I talked to, like, all the guys I played with in high school, I talked to the majority of them still. We're all still really close. You know, I run my business with Tyler. Obviously, we played together in high school. Um, you know, and, and that's what it's all about, man. It's about having relationships with people and friendships and, and using basketball as almost like a tool to then, you know, give yourself the experiences and relationships with other people. Right, 100%. So, like I said, transition that from, like, you having a pretty successful high school career Um did you happen to play AAU? How do you feel like about like AAU today? Like, do you feel like kids like have to play on a live shoe circuit? Meaning like the EY, Nike EYBL, Adidas Three Stripes, uh, Under Armour Rise. Like, how do you feel like AAU has played a part from like when you were a kid in high school into the recruiting process? But then also transition that into like today's AAU, where it's like, is it a must to play on a live shoe circuit period? Yeah, man, so it's interesting. So I'll talk a little bit about my AAU experience. I played on a local AAU team with a couple of local towns, and we were really, really good. We'd win every local tournament. We decided to go to Florida Nationals. Uh, we ended up playing really well down there. And then um, the year after that, Tyler and I both went, and we played with the Albany City Rocks, their 16U UIBL team. Um, you know, it was a great experience. And, and for me, honestly, it's funny. We talked a little bit about facing adversity and stuff. When I went and played with City Rocks, I was barely playing. We were playing with, you know, my team was loaded. Right. You know, most of the guys were scholarship players. I ended up being a Division three player. So, um, but what it did was it challenged me. Like, in order for me to find minutes, I had to scrap, claw, play hard, do some little things. I wasn't having the ball in my hands as much. Um, and those things ended up helping me out a ton going into my senior year of high school and then, you know, so on as a college player. But I think AAU is an interesting conversation now. I think... Um, you know, if you can play, people are going to find you. But right. I also think if you're playing in the right events, it's more beneficial. And yeah. what I mean by that is, I don't mean, you know, in the spring and the summer, I think AAU is massively important. It gives you an opportunity to be on a stage. You're playing against a bunch of teams. I think now, though, AAU has become way more games and winning any kind of tournament to get a T-shirt compared to actual player development right. where you're improving throughout the year. Um, I know some AAU coaches who I think do a really, really great job, and they're almost forced to continue playing their teams in like the fall and the winter because the <laughs> other programs are doing it. Right. Um, 
So I think that's almost a loaded question the way AAU is. It's just, it's one of those things where, you know, if you're not doing it, another program is, are you going to lose kids? Right. You know, I think, I think, you know, it almost needs a little change in the sense that we're focusing less on five on five and, and tournaments. And we're focusing a little more on, all right, let's improve as players individually. Let's play in, you know, some bigger events that, you know, people are actually coming to scout and see and, right. and grow the game. Um, but yeah, man, AAU I think is totally different now than even when I played. Yeah, hundred percent. And that I, long ago. yeah, no, for sure. And I feel like uh, said especially in today's day and age, you you hit the nail on the head. Like if you go and you play and you play on like the right tournaments, so you go to a, a game and there's 75, 80 college coaches just sitting there watching, I feel like it's going to go one of two ways. And I feel like number one, if you just like completely buy in ball out, give everything you got, you can get so much exposure super, super quick. But then on the back end of that, if like, I'm not saying you just play lazy, you play lackadaisical, like just almost like you don't care, you can get exposed really quick too. So like your, your like basketball career could almost change instantly for the better or for the worse than in a matter of one game. For sure. And I think another thing that's underrated as well is let's say there's no college coaches there. Right. But the level of the tournament's at a level where you're being challenged. I'd rather go two and two. If I'm a coach, I'd rather go two and two in AAU and play really, really good teams in those four games than go four and oh and win by 40 in every game. Yeah, because just to I get. Know, now I know my players are have to be competitive. They're in close games, whether they're winning or losing those games. They're facing a little bit of adversity. They're playing hard. They have a chance to win. They're like real life game situations that's going to allow them to be better. Yeah, and, instead of going to a tournament, some events, winning. Yeah, getting a getting a uh, not even a trophy, just a, a medal and a t shirt that says "Congrats, you won this tournament." Like, yo, that's dope. You won, but like, you're not setting yourself up for success in the future by beating teams by 40, 50 points, or playing down to like I said, a lower level. Like so there's just so many things that need to be taken into account that like if you truly want to get better, I would rather lose by five in a close game to a like a powerhouse program than win by fifty to a to a nobody team. And it's hard too though, because like I feel for the AAU directors out there because it's an easier model to sell if you're winning every game. Right, right, you right. You know? Where like you know, if if we're going every tournament and we're two and two or we're one and three, but you know our kids are getting better. Well, why aren't we winning games? Right. You know, so it, it's it's a hard battle to fight. Um, I just think I would love to see a little more player development. Yep. Um, a little more focus on just players improving compared to just going to tournaments and winning games. But I 100% see both sides of it, where you've got to almost have a balance as an AAU director. Right. 100%. Um, and it makes me and it makes me very thankful that I'm not in the AAU world. Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, so to almost like take all the experiences you've had kind of throughout high school and then um, into AAU and like how your recruiting went and like transition that into like your college career now. So like as you started to progress as an athlete, where did you end up deciding to go? How your college uh, journey just like progressed moving forward? Yeah, man. So I actually ended up doing a postgraduate year at Trinity Pauling School. It's a class A boarding school in the New England Prep League, which is known as one of the better prep leagues, you know, in the country. We, um, I ended up going there because I was young out of high school. I had some Division three, a couple Division twos reached out. Um, so I was like, you know, I'm young. I might as well give this one more year, see what happens. Um, I started to get a couple Division ones that were, you know, offering some preferred walk-on spots. While I was there, I actually broke my foot, so I missed a portion of the season, which was kind of, you know, hurt my recruitment I would say in a little bit but I actually ended up choosing Oswego State um, because I just felt it was the best fit for me it was Division 3 it was actually in the same conference with the school that I ended up playing at um, and I ended up going there when I was there I broke my foot again it required surgery and after that whole experience I almost needed like a self-reflection time um, I had to take a bunch of time off because of the operation it was, it was pretty uh, severe and then um, I chose to go to SUNY Cortland, and that's where I played my four years of college basketball. Right. So talk about, talk about like I said, any accolades, like I said, awards that you were able to accomplish, um, how, how your college career shook out, said, from freshman to senior year. Yeah, um, I ended up having a pretty good career. I was, was an all-conference player three times. I was an all-region player twice. Um, I was top five all-time in scoring at the school. 
but honestly, like, care as much about, like, me as a person. Like, when I talk with my buddies and the players I play with, we always talk about, you know, different games we played in, if we won or lost, and, like, that really is what matters to me. What stands out about my college career is, like, you know, we won. We won the conference my freshman year. We ended up winning the NCAA game that year. Um, but we didn't make it back to the tournament in my sophomore, junior, and senior year. And that sits with me more than, you know, me being fifth all-time in scoring. Right. Because, um, like, for me, like, basketball is all about winning. Like, it's great. I can score, you know, 20 points in a game, or I can score 30 points in a game. But are we winning this game? Because it's a lot more enjoyable when we're winning it. Yeah, 100%. Um, but, I, but, I mean, individually, I, I, had a, I had a pretty good career. Um, I'm thankful for the place I ended up. I had a great four years there. Um, I still have great relationships with the players I played with, the coaches that were there. Um, and I think what was key is I ended up finding my fit, um, which allowed me to, you know, have fun off the court, have fun on the court. Right. Um, and truly set me up for what I'm doing now. Yeah. So like I said, that's what I was about to transition into next. So like after college, like how did you get into uh, the training game or coaching game, like what led you into kind of choosing that career path? Yeah, man, it's funny. So when I was a junior in college, um, Tyler declared for the NBA draft and he wanted to do a little give back camp at home. So me, his brother, Zach, who was my college teammate, um, we ended up starting our company and we were like, Hey, you know, we'll get into some basketball training. We'll run some camps. We ended up running the camp and it was like a massive success. We had over a hundred kids there for our first event. Um, and we were like, all right, now we kind of have something. And then while I was home as a college player, there would be some local high school kids that would just like come in with, come in and train with me. Um, and I knew I was going to be around basketball, but I just wasn't sure what. Um, and then when I graduated college, I had a couple of interviews for graduate assistant spots. I got offered a couple spots. One was at Division One Iona. Um, and I ended up just turning them down. And I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to dive all into player development. I think this is what I really want to do. And you know, looking back on it now, I think I made the best decision I could have. Yeah, hundred percent. And like I said, I think there's so much um, rewards that go into it as as it gets to like, man, I'm still keeping my my hands involved in the basketball world. Um, one, you can also stay in somewhat kind of shape. Um, you can still kind of work on your game. Your you you can still kind of perfect your craft. Um, but then also, I feel like what gets lost in the shuffle so much is like. Yeah, all that stuff is cool. You can make a lot of money doing it. Super cool. But, like, you can impact so many kids and change change lives um, on the court, but also outside of court, too, is, like, some people that I know that, like, they really, like, they have no business ever being on the court or ever <laughs> trying to pursue a career in basketball. But, like, they found an attachment to you as, like, as an older brother or as, like, a mentor and, like, you can kind of help these kids on the court, off the court, and then in life as well, just by teaching them so many valuable lessons. And I think that's been big, um, like I said, as I've started to grow in my stuff, but just like being able to reflect and like, man, I've helped so many kids that like, this is really, really, truly why I want to do this. 100%, man. And that's why I love what I do too. Asking for the game, and just seeing, you know, kids of different ages start to pick it up and start to enjoy it and start to really love the game of basketball is just awesome. And I think, you know, being in the position that we're in, it allows us to just be involved in all aspects of basketball. Like, if I was a college coach, I'd be involved in college basketball, and I'm sure I would really, really love it. But, you know, I get just as much enjoyment, you know, working NBA workouts as I do with our first and second grade and third to fifth grade sessions because – you know, basketball is basketball to me. We might be focusing on different things at a different level, but right. if the kids are there and they're happy they're there and they're having a great time, you know, it, it's enjoying for me. Yeah, 100%. So, like, when did you start to notice that, like, things were starting to take off and become a little bit more successful and that, like, LMC Athletics was, like, kind of on the right path? Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, it took a little bit because this was such a foreign thing to me. You know, like, I used to be able to call people and say, hey, you know, you run this kind of business, you know, what are some insights? Or you do this, where, like, basketball training is kind of like a new industry. Right. Um, so I think two important things that I did was, one, I found a couple mentors, um, which were beneficial just to, you know, be soundboards for me if I could get in contact with them, try to get to the gym and watch them do it. And then I think the second thing was, you know, I wasn't afraid to, like, you know, mess up or fail, per se. Like, right. just, you know, trying out different programs, trying out different training methods, trying out different workouts. You know, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work, getting feedback from people, um, you 
you know, and then the last part is just to can constantly learn and grow. I think I'm in a way better spot now than I was when I first started, but I still think there's a ton of improvement. Yeah, and I think that, like, like you said, um, when you're first starting and, like, yeah, you might be getting some clients and you might starting to grow your business, but, like, now it's time to run an event or now it's time to do these group sessions or take it on the back end. Now we got to find a facility. Now we got to get equipment, like, the whole nine. It's like... I feel like you have to go through your little trials and errors and like, hey, did this work? And if it worked, why did it work? And if it didn't work, how could I pivot it to make it shift so it actually becomes a success or a positive? So like, I feel like there's so many people that have so many goals and visions and dreams and everything involved in the basketball training industry now. Um, how pretty much how can I make money off of using basketball, which is dope, but like, I think there's so many like not empty promises or just like they have these visions and goals and they just don't ever act on them and they don't ever turn them to a reality. As soon as they, like I said, get hit with a little bit of adversity. Oh, I had, I ran a camp and only four total kids showed up. Like it doesn't mean stop doing what you're doing. It's just like, how can I change and make this shift it a little bit better? So I ultimately that my next camp is a success then. Yeah. I think the big thing along with that is right. If I have a camp and there's four kids there, I've got to give the best product to those four kids so those four kids are getting better. Yeah. And if those four kids are getting better, then that's the goal. Because the goal should always be about the people that are in front of you, where I think we've kind of lost this a little bit in a sense, or some people have. Um, it's just like we need to focus on who's in front of us, no matter if it's a first grader, if it's a college player, whoever, and help them get better, period. And right. if we're helping them, right. we're helping them get better. Period. We're doing our job, and if we're doing our job, then we can consistently grow. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So, you know, turn that into like, what is like Justin Cooper and like LMC Athletics like training philosophy, and like what's some of the most important skills to be able to master, like playing the game of basketball and having success in the game of basketball in today's game. Yeah, I think number one is just let let's teach the game. Let's understand things that. You know, you're going to have to be able to do on the floor. Just reads you're going to have to make. Understanding situations would be number one thing that we talk about. Number two is just overall skills. You know, can you get by people? If someone cuts you off, do you have counter moves to then go by them? Do you have counter moves that make reads and make passes? And then, you know, can we make shots? Can we finish at the basket? Um, do we understand times and scores? Do we understand good shot, bad shot? Um, so I think the big thing, like, with our philosophy is, is one, like, you know, creating a basketball like you where we have an understanding of, you know, time score situations. And then two is, can we be the most skilled that we possibly can be so that and no matter what the situation, you know, we can kind of fit it. Um, and, and that's the way I view it. That's the way we view it as a business. And, and it's worked out for us a little bit with helping just players improve. Yeah, no, 100%. I think that is, that's big in today's game is just like I said, one, understanding basketball and like having the IQ to know what to do, when to do it and how to do it. Um, all in like a reactionary process of just like you have to, you can't think almost in basketball. You just got to just react. And like whoever's the quickest to react and the smartest to react typically wins. So I think if you can said, start translating this to kids said, yeah, your college kids will, will ultimately get it quicker than, than like your grade school kids. But like, if you can get these young, young kids to really start trying to like react quicker, think quicker said be able to ha make more fluid basketball movements quicker and then be smarter with their decisions, I think we're going to start to see a shift of, like, the IQ of kids where, like I said, I think the athleticism of kids is unreal and off the charts today. But, like, there's such a big difference of, like, who can shoot, who can't shoot. Um, there's a big – I think – yeah, my fault. No, you good. cut you off. But I think the big thing, too, is, is, like, when we look at ball handling, for example, right, we look at handling the basketball. Right. Really, in the game of basketball, dribbling is to get by people, right? Right. Where if we look on, you know, the most viral video of dribbling, it's all stationary, quick handles, and a bunch of different stuff. Right. So it's like being able to find the balance of, okay, I, you know, I've got a little bit in my bag where I can do some different things, but I'm able to get by people. Right. Right. So it's, it's knowing how to be the most skilled, but then knowing the situations, and then having the ability to really be successful and make an impact while you're in a structured five on five setting yeah 100 percent. and i think we can have a discussion about this on like an outside podcast or anything but like just with ball handling i feel like i mean that's just my thing you got to be have enough skill sets to 
one, be able to have fluent patterns. And, and like I said, stationary ball handling to me isn't all bad. But like like you said, the, the objective of ball handling in a game is to get by somebody. So being able to speed up your hands, um, being able to control the basketball is big. I think next thing I think you also have to be able to like manipulate, control, play at pace while handling the basketball. So I think that's ultimately number two. Like I said, being able to work on pocket dribbles, work on being able to take the basketball from right to left and handle it without carrying the basketball. But then ultimately, I think you also need to work on um, different separation stops. Work on, like I said, being able to manipulate your defender while they're guarding you. So said so now add a live defender into your actions while working on your patterns, while working on your, uh, like I said, your, your pace movements, your ball control movements. And like I said, being able to add, uh, like I said, a live defender now makes it more and more game-like. So I feel like there has to be a natural progression from point A to like point Z. But like sometimes I feel like, like you said, it just gets lost in the shuffle is like how fast and how hard can I dribble this basketball into the ground? And like it, I mean, people like it because it just gets hundreds and thousands of millions of views. Sure. And I think the big thing too is like also like, are you comfortable with contact attacking off of the perimeter? Right. I can have all the moves in my bag, but right. if someone steps in front of me and they give me a bump and they take me off my attack line. Well, I'm ineffective as a dribbler. So, like, you know, what are we really focusing on? Are, is the, are the things that we're working out with our players really helping them when they get the actual game situations? Right. You know, and I think that's, I think that's like, the major question, like, as trainers and coaches, we should be asking, like, hey, you know, I need this player to be able to do this to be successful when they're on the floor. Well, are we putting them in the situations in our workouts that allows them to get better so that they can do those things? Right. Like I said, I think 100%, like I said, what's the quickest way to get past my defender? And then like, or not quickest, but most efficient way to get past my defender and get downhill and then make a read and react off of that. Um, yeah. So let's let's almost like transition that how we were talking about social media is like, how are you able to establish and grow your social media following and presence um, while becoming, like I said, as you start to grow in the, the game of basketball and, like I said, the industry of basketball training? Like, how are you able to use social media to your advantage while posting, like I said, positive content that your viewers can take at home and maximize their skill set while not being in person with you? Yeah, man, for sure. I think I've just really started to utilize social media. Um, with just like posting out content and stuff. I think it's just huge because, you know, everyone has a cell phone, everyone has a computer, everyone has Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, whatever it may be. And it's just, you know, giving them useful tools that they can work on the things when maybe they're not in a gym, maybe they're in their driveway, their basement, wherever it is. And just, you know, different things that allow them to work on their game. You know, at the end of the day, everyone has a chance to, to improve every day, no matter, like I said, if they're in the gym, at their house, wherever. Um, so just putting things out there that I think, you know, can help players when they're on, on their own working on their game or when they're at the park with a couple of their buddies and, you know, different drills that can challenge them and, and help them get better. Yeah. I think social media is such a huge tool. Cause like, I mean, you can have all the email client, like contacts in your phone and your in your, on your computer. But like, if you have the ability to post one video and it does go ultra viral, like that could change your stance on in your company in an instant and like now you have the access to reach outside of new york you get the access to reach all the united states now you get access to have a global reach all over the world so like i said i feel like if you can master not master just like if you can get better at social media and really grow your brand and people will start to know who justin cooper is but then also like what lmc athletics has to offer now i think that just like truly truly expands your business but also like you have the access to network with so many more people too and like i feel like at the end of the day like yeah i want to get as big as i can with with, with fatally i want as many people to know who jeremy hayes is as as much as i want but at the end of the day i really want to be known as like a credible person and within the basketball industry basketball world for sure and i think one thing that my main focus was when i got out of college and I started training was all right I need my on-court business to be successful I wasn't really worried about anything else right and, you know looking back a little bit is I could have focused on both a little bit at the same time like right. I could have documented what we were doing um 
But also then looking back too, I'm, I'm thankful I put so much time, effort, and energy to the actual encore business because, you know, the players that are in front of me are the players that, you know, I have to help get better. Right. Improve and make sure I continue to have those relationships with those kids and their families so that, you know, there's people still coming through the door and we're able to run our training sessions and our events, you know. So now I'm at the point where our encore business is doing pretty well. We have programs, camps, clinics, training, all of it. Right. Um, so now it's time to, you know, start documenting it a little bit, start talking a little bit more, putting stuff out there to have conversations with people in the basketball space, um, you know, and now start to grow that side of the business because, you know, it's 2022 and, and everything pretty much goes through, you know, social media feeds. Right. And, you know, if you're not really on it, you're you're going to fall behind a little bit. Yeah, hundred percent. And for better or for worse, you know what I mean. It just is what it is. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you, you just have to be involved in that aspect of of your business. Yeah, and I think I think I said at the end of the day, I think social media is either a blessing or a curse, however you use it. So, like I said, I, I even like just just videoing and demonstrating and showing, teaching film, like instant feedback. Like a player will do a, a a certain piece of footwork, and if they do it wrong, like they may feel like they're doing it correct, but like the film doesn't lie. So just having that instant feedback of "Hey, this is what you did. This is how you can improve upon it." And then once they get it, and if you share it out to the world, like now, like I said, it shows. Like I said, you're growing as a person, you're growing as a trainer, you're growing as a brand, and then you can give valuable like I said, teaching or lessons to the kids that are actually watching and working on it outside of the game. Um, like I said, that helps you grow as a brand. So while you grow as a brand, and like I said, everything you've taught in your philosophies and, and business, like who have been some of, like I said, the top players that you've actually been able to work with and been able to connect with throughout the growth of your company so far? Yeah, I mean, so I'll talk about like people that I've had, like, you know, that I've been fortunate to have as mentors. Like, I got connected with Steve D'Agostino, who runs a training business um, up in the Capital Region, the Albany area. Um, he coaches with USA Basketball. He has some clients um, that play professionally. And then I got connected with DJ Sackman as well. Um, and, you know, building relationships with people who were successful in the industry, you know, allowed me to kind of just figure some things out. You know, ways I want to train, you know, how to continue to keep learning, how to build a business, and then also, you know, make sure everyone's getting better that's on the court. Um, you know, and being around high-level trainers, you're going to be around high-level players. Right. Um, I ended up doing, I helped uh, Dags with NBA pre-drafts a couple summers ago, um, which then allowed me to um, help Elijah Hughes with his off-season workouts. Elijah's with Utah Jazz now um, because Elijah lives in Beacon, New York, which is pretty close to where I live in Poughkeepsie. Um, you know, we trained a lot last summer and we're planning on a big summer again this year. You know, just things like that, you know, finding mentors, being around the right people, you know, who have some clients, you know, can get you into some different gyms and some different doors and, and help those players. But, you know, one thing that I think is is overlooked, underlooked, is just training, you know, players that really want to get better, whether they're going to be college players, whether they're going to be NBA players. I don't really think it matters as much. I think what's key is, is like, hey, if this kid wants to be, a really good varsity basketball player at his high school, can I help this kid improve so that when he plays high school basketball, he's the best high school basketball player he can be. Right. Um, and that, and that's kind of my viewpoint is like, you know, I would love to work with high-level players and, and you know, I'm fortunate enough that I have and I still do, but, you know, I'll work with anyone who really loves the game and wants to improve and, and just wants to make the most out of it. You know, some people's goals are to play in college and some people's goals are just to have a great high school career, but right. I'm here to help all of those players improve. Yeah, and like I said, it seems like, like I said, you've had you've been really successful to, at this point in your life, and like, like I said, I hope nothing nothing more but what success comes for you. But like, what's what's next for you? Like, do you happen to have any personal goals? Um, do you have like any short term, long term goals? Do you have like what's an end game for you? Like I said, in the training space. Yeah, man. So I want to just continue, you know, keep on keeping on, like just continue to learn, continue to grow, continue to build relationships with our trainers, coaches, players, you know, um, and just keep the business on an upward trajectory. And then, you know, hopefully that allows us to have a facility of our own someday where then we can run, you know, our individual, our group sessions, our camps, everything out of our home base. Um, but for me, man, I just want to keep basketball, you know, the priority and, and help as many kids as I can to improve their game and get the most out of the game of basketball. Yeah, and I think it's I think that's big. Like I said, as long as kids are in the gym getting better, 
like, and working on the right things. Um, I see the, the, the sky's the limit for them. And I said, ultimately at the end of the day, that's what it's about. Like I said, it's, yeah, it's cool. We can make as much money as we can, but like if we, if we don't have anybody who's coming in the gym and wants to get better, then we're not going to be able to make money off of it. We're not going to be able to impact the youth. Like I said, we have to ultimately at the end of the day, get kids to show results in games while enjoying what they're doing. For sure. And, and, and it's a result-based industry, right? If, if someone's coming to you and they're looking to improve their game and you're able to help them improve their game, then, you know, you're doing your job. And at the end of the day, that's, that's what we're here for. Yeah. So almost like take, take this as like, I want to hear the direction of like youth sports, but also the direction of like the women's game of things. Cause like, I think the, the women's side of basketball is starting to really, really grow and really, really develop. And I think that like Kobe Bryant had a big like push on the women's game, said, especially with having daughters come up. But then also like, I know kids look up to, like I said, Paige Buchers from UConn or either Haley Van Lith from, from, uh, from Louisville. And like I said, talk about the direction of youth sports, but also the direction of the women's side of basketball too. Yeah. I think women's basketball is, is starting to become, and it's starting to be put on the stage that it should have been on to begin with. Right. Um, the women's game is so skilled. Like there's, you know, I know in my area, there's a lot of high level players, division one, you know, high level high school players, um, in the women's game. And I think it's now starting to be recognized. And, and I'm very glad that it is because the level of skill it takes to be a women's basketball player at a high level is incredible. Right. Like if you get a really good girls basketball player in the gym, they're highly skilled. They're able to play the game. Um, and I think it's it's on a path where it's starting to be, you know, shown more on TV so more people are starting to see it. And, and it's important that, you know, the women's game is in that space. And then I think in youth sports, I think youth sports is interesting, man. I think um, I think we'll start to see a little bit of a shift where, you know, it becomes, you know, less about having so many different teams and playing in so many different tournaments and playing so many games where then it starts to become, you know, are you getting into the weight room and starting to work out? Do you have a strength trainer? Are you right. working with a program? Um, are you working on your individual game? Are you playing small-sided games to start to really understand the game of basketball? Um, I think we're going to start to see a shift in that because I think too many players um, are ending up in situations where they just haven't improved for so long. They right. played in games, you know, but like just because you played in a game doesn't mean you got better that day. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that now people are starting to see. Like, you know, I might play in a game, and if I play 15 minutes, I might only touch the ball five or six times. Right. So I'm really just getting some cardio. Right. You know, where, 100%. where I'm not really getting the individual reps that I need to continuously get better. But, um, you know, I, I think I think that's, you know, kind of just where it's at. Yeah, and I honestly, I tweeted that yesterday. I was like, at what point do our kids start to get better in like the off season? How do they take? How do they maximize their potential in the off season? Like, one is it more skill development? Two is it playing more live games? So just games on games, or is it three like a healthy mix of the two? And like, I just like hearing hearing different like. I guess, answers of, like, what people choose because, like, some people just think it's strictly games, games, games. But, like, well, like, if you can't shoot, how do you work on your, your shot? Well, okay, you got to get in the gym and work, rep out your skill development. But then also, like, well, if I'm in the gym working on finishing one-on-oh and there's no defense, like, how can I simulate that to make it more game-like where I can add a defender and start playing more games? So, like, I feel like you need to have a healthy mix of the two, but like if it's me and I'm like a high school college kid, like who really, really maybe even pro who really, really wants to get just strictly better. I'm probably in the gym by myself 80% of the time and then playing live games or said many side games 20% of the time. Like I said, so I can really, I said truly, but also like, I, I think I see the game different. I, I understand where the context's going to come from. I think that needs to be built into the IQs different on everybody. But like, if I can get in the gym and rep out things by myself, and then translate that directly into a live situational game, I think that's huge. Yeah, and I think I think what you said, like having a healthy mix, is key. You know, like again, like we want the game to be fun. Obviously, the game is really enjoyable when you put a uniform on and you're playing in a game. Right. Um, and that's how you really see if your skill work is working. 
And then, you know, in a game, if something's not working, now you need to know what you need to improve on. So then in your workouts, now you have things to focus on. Right. So I think I think having that healthy mix is huge because, you know, we're going to play games and we're going to work out, okay? So if we're doing them, you know, at more of a 50-50 split, then now we're starting to see, okay, in games, this is working well, this isn't working well. So now in my workouts, I need to keep my strengths, my strengths. Right. And then I need to keep work and then I need to start focusing on my weaknesses to then improve my game and become a better player on the floor. Um, but when you focus on, you know, one thing too much, whether it's playing in games or the skill development part, I think you miss out on a massive aspect of right. you know, becoming the best player that you could be. Right. And I think that's where we touched on it like a little bit before. It was like I think like you said, having a having a home gym, like you just mentioned, is like where okay, you can have individual skill private sessions. Now you can also host group sessions that are also skill based, but then also ultimately you put them in these small sided games where there's live competition now. Then it turns into okay, now we can host a camp where we can still work on the small sided games. We can have breakout sessions into, like I said, the private, like I said, um, individual skills, but then ultimately we can turn that into now we can play live five on five. And I think that, like, as skill trainers and like, as business owners in the basketball industry, I think that's the ultimate goal is like having a spot or a space where we can run all of our programs, everything out of where we can maximize as much as we can in one setting to provide results for our clients. Like I said, if we can get to a point where say, yeah, we can do as much individual based training as we can. Great. But if none of that translates directly into the game for our clients, then what did we do effectively other than waste a little bit of time? Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, like, the skill work we're doing has to translate to game success. You know, right. so we've got to work on things that are going to allow them to improve in-game. Yes, 100%. So, they said, branching out for that, I got a couple little one-hitter questions, and then we'll wrap this sucker up. But, like, I want to hear in Justin Cooper's opinion, like, give me your top three players of all time. And I want to hear from from three to two to one, one being the greatest of all time. Yeah, I'll go number three is Kobe. I think what Kobe did, you know, just being able to win championships and his competitiveness just puts him in this conversation. Um, I think number two is LeBron. Obviously, what LeBron has been doing is is remarkable. The, right. the level he's playing at, the age he's at. Um, and then I think number one's just got to be Jordan, man. Jordan was the first one to do it. He kind of set the trend. Um and I just think, you know, once again, his competitiveness and the way he approached the game and the way he played influenced, you know, Kobe and LeBron to be the players that they are, you yeah. know, and it wasn't a full influence, but, you know, that definitely played a part in them probably growing up and looking up to MJ. Right. Um, but one thing I hate about this thing, though, is when we start comparing MJ and LeBron <laughs> and even Kobe, because they're all different players. Right. You know? Um, but in that order, I would go Kobe, LeBron, MJ. Okay, so let me just ask. If LeBron were to happen to win two more championships, have six strings, and then break 90% of the records, could you bump LeBron up to the number one seed? Yeah, man, but you got to talk to me when that happens. We'll, <laughs> see, we'll, we'll see that. But I, I, would, I mean, that's, that's a totally different you know, conversation now. Right. You're talking about LeBron has two more rings. He's the all-time leading scorer. Yeah. He's up there in assists. He's up there in rebounds. You know, then right. you're... You know, you're you're talking about a, a totally different resume than even the one he has right now, which is still remarkable. Yeah, and I feel like there's so many, so much negativity and hate, and like people don't like having this discussion. But like, ultimately, at the end of the day, like, you whether your opinion on LeBron or not, just admire greatness while we can. Because let's just say in five, six, seven, eight, whatever years left, like we're gonna miss seeing LeBron put on a uniform, <laughs> and then we have to. Then determine, okay, well, is it Kevin Durant? Is it who would be next in line? But at the ultimate end of the day, is like just admire their, their greatness while we can right now. 100%. I agree. Um, this is something I'd like to ask everybody. Um, like I said, you've been pretty successful with your just own basketball career. Um, things are taking off just in your own personal career as well, business career. But give me one piece of advice that you could share to somebody who's either like looking to set further their basketball journey or, like I said, kind of go in the same path and get in the basketball training industry um, that you ha- you've taken? Yeah, man, I would just go back to kind of what I said earlier about, you know, something my dad instilled is like, if you want something, you got to go get it. 
Um, if you want to be the best basketball player you can be, you know, some people will help you, but no one's going to give it to you. You've got to go out there and you've got to put the work in. You know, you've got to strive every day to be the best player, best person that you can be. You know, whether that's sports, whether that's business, whether that's life, whatever it is you want, you've got to attack it every day and try to go get it. Right, 100%. I think that's like, uh, that's such a valuable lesson that I don't think people or kids get enough. I think that like, they sit back and wait and want everything to be handed to them um, or they're being slept on uh, is a good, a good one for like said being try, trying to be recruited. But like, I feel like if you truly, truly want to get something, you have to go put the work in. You have to go network. You have to go connect. You have to be willing to, like I said, do the dirty work. I said to, to then reap the benefits of it all. Uh, one thing I want to talk about that being slept on thing is a great point because you know, like, being slept on, okay, but there's nothing wrong with being a Division two or a Division three player. Right. Just because you don't have Division one offers doesn't mean you're not a good basketball player. I know Division three players, you know, that could play Division one basketball probably. 100%. You know, because they're very skilled. They're, they've got the size now. It took them a couple of years to develop in a college system, right? Right. So I think that's like a whole other conversation that we can have. But like, hey, like, okay, great. You're not being slept on. You might just be a Division three player, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Right. You might be a Division two player. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, basketball is basketball, and if you end up playing basketball at the next level, you know, you're blessed, you're fortunate, and you have an opportunity to make an impact. Yeah, definitely. Like, even just this year, 2021, 2022, like, I can't tell you how many Division two and Division three teams have beaten Division one teams just in, in games. And it's been staggering the the numbers that's, that's actually happened. So, like I said, basketball, like you said, basketball is basketball at any, any like, level. Um, you might not be flying on planes and traveling the country, but at the same time, like, you're one of, like, 3.4% of all – boys or girl like call like high school athletes that actually make it to the college yeah, level. So you have to, like I said, cherish, cherish the time. And like I said, uh, enjoy the process, enjoy the ride. And they like said, make the most out of your opportunities while you still have the option to still play. Yep. hundred percent. So Justin, I appreciate everything. So like I said, if, if, if you could drop your social media handles here now, like for anybody that wants to kind of, like I said, follow your journey, follow your direction, um, or even reach out to you and have any questions, can talk to you, can chat with you, drop your social media handles here, like Twitter and, and Instagram, and maybe even TikTok. I know you're starting to blow up on the TT right now. Yeah, man, we're trying to use it a little bit more. That's what everybody <laughs> uses. Yes, sir. Uh, my, inst- my Instagram is Justin underscore Cooper 10, um, and my TikTok is Coach J Cooper. Um, and I'm there. I'm always posting, you know, basketball tips, drills, workouts, you know, for players to improve their game. Sounds good, brother. I'd love to hear it. Like I said, this has been this has been great. Like I said, I uh, we got connected over this past summer, summer of 2021, and uh, said uh, I, I'm very very happy that we've we've been able to connect because said it's just been able to share. Um, like I said, kind of the same process, uh, just in a different part of the country. Um, and like I said, watching your growth and watching your, your development of just yourself, but also your brand as well has been uh, really inspiring to me. Um, it makes me want to push harder, um, makes me want to do more. Like I said, so I'm, I'm really happy for our relationship and friendship and said, if you ever need anything from me, you always know where to reach me. Um, best of luck with, with everything you and Tyler have going on. Like I said, hopefully we have a, uh, LMC and fadeaway, uh, camp here coming up soon. Yeah, man, I've got to make it happen. I appreciate you having me on, man. Definitely.